Hi everyone, I'm Ari, here with Rachel, and we're your hosts for the Merry Writer podcast. This week we're on episode 187 and we're asking, do you truly need a unique story idea? Before we dive into the topic, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening if you haven't already. And if you enjoy the show, please share it with friends and feel free to write a review. Okay, so talking unique story ideas. The short answer is no. There are no completely unique stories, in my opinion. Better throw in that caveat. Everything follows certain patterns and story types. There are common themes and tropes throughout almost all books and movies and the like. Um, Most things are kind of like a rehash of the same things. You can usually see threads um, that are common through, through each different story. And in the end, it all comes down to how you tell the story that is what really matters. And it's not a bad thing. I mean, if you think about it, we're we're told when we're marketing to look for um, comp titles and, and, and books that are similar to ours so that we can say things like, oh, did you like such a such a book? You might like ours. You know, it's it's used as a positive marketing tactic. There's a reason for that. People will seek out books that are familiar to other books that they've really enjoyed. And they will look for those tropes and those themes and story types. You know, if they really like quests or enemies to lovers, love triangles, found families, which apparently is Rachel's favourite. I have to admit, I love found families. (laughs) It's a really good one. Found family is the best. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you've probably seen it on Instagram. It's a big thing on Instagram at the moment. If a new writer puts a book out, there's usually a picture of their book cover with lots of little curly arrows coming out because everybody's using the exact same graphic. And each of the curly arrows will state something that's in that book, whether it's found families, enemies to lovers, he falls first, only one horse. There's so many of these weird little things that are, are what readers are looking for. And that way they know instantly, oh yeah, this is probably a book I'm going to enjoy, or at least it's there's a bigger possibility I'm going to enjoy it. So yeah, I think if you're if you're obsessing about finding the ultimately unique story idea, you might be missing out on just the cool ideas you've got that you can work into a different way if they're a little bit similar to something else. Um and you know, there's you know, things can be redone, they can be modernized, you can even go and take a modern story and shift it to like you know, oldie worldy or what's the, like historical fiction or fantasy. And we'll go through a couple of them just to kind of, just because I want to, screw it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we, we want to talk about something on the podcast. Exactly. And and like, so, like certain things, people don't always realize that certain uh, books or movies are like either retellings or heavily inspired by or, you know, kind of connected to. The one that stuck out for me was Pride and Prejudice. And also Bridget Jones's diary, which is kind of the kind of similar. Now, they're not obviously they're not like a complete, you know, a repeat of each other. One is set very differently. Then you've got the more modern version, but they both start very similar. You know, you've and we're not even talking about the fact that they've both got Mister Darcy, okay? But they both start with the bad first impression with Mister Darcy, where he's being a bit of a shit and says nasty things about the female protagonist. You've got the scoundrel, which is in Pride and Prejudice, it's um, George Wickham, couldn't remember his first name. And in Bridget Jones's Diary, it is Daniel Cleaver. I should remember that, I watched it recently. <laughs> um, they both have very overbearing mothers. They both have like the kind of more subdued father who kind of just has to go with the flow. Um, 
you know you've got the kind of where the where the the two female uh, the female leads end up kind of spending a lot more time with the scoundrels before they realize that they're scoundrels and then how it ends so there's they they technically are very similar and you know you could say it's very inspired by it or it's a retelling there's enough difference that it's not always that clear i know people who didn't realize that there was enough parts of Bridget Jones's diary that were connected to Pride and Prejudice. Doesn't mean that there's a ripoff. They're so different stories in their own way. One is set in like the olden times and then you've got the modern version. So you have different things going on. So yeah, but you had, I mean, both of those are still very popular. Uh, both, you know, books and obviously Bridget Jones's diary's movie and all the all the Pride and Prejudice movies, including the one with zombies, which I have to admit is one of my favorites. I just, I just really love it. Backtracking a little bit, I do agree with Ari that there are no unique story ideas anymore because they're all the same story type. Every book has the same foundation. Every story has the same foundation. And it just depends on the writer and how they decide to tell that story. That's what makes it unique and different from everything else. And I think the reason why people do that is because readers like what they like and they want more of it. It's not, it's reading books isn't the type of thing where you enjoy it and you're like, oh, wow, I want to try something new now. No, (laughs) people look at like these tropes and they fall in love with them and they crave more of that trope. A good example of reusing these story types are fairy tale retellings because fairy tales are universal and it's so familiar to readers that it's pretty much become its own genre. And an example of that would be Cinder by Marissa Meyer. Mayer? Meyer? I, I actually think it's Meyer? Is it Meyer? Okay. I don't know. I don't know her. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know either. I want to say Meyer. But a good example of that would be Cinder by Marissa Meyer, and which is a Cinderella retelling. And that's one that I actually did read. I own the book. Cinder is a sci-fi where Cinder works as a mechanic and is a cyborg with an artificial foot. She has the stepmother with the two stepsisters, and there's also a plague tearing through New Beijing, where the story is set. There's a prince, a ball, and a missing foot instead of the actual shoe. And it's different enough from the Grimm story or the Disney version of Cinderella, but people enjoy the Cinderella story so they're just willing to read different versions of it. And it I think it's just something that, I mean, Ari mentioned earlier that it's a good marketing tactic when you say, hey, I wrote a book that's very similar to this, this, and this. But there are just certain things that when you hear the word Lord of the Rings, people are like, oh, I love Lord of the Rings. I'm jumping on that. So yeah, I think it's just the familiarity of it that kind of makes it so that we don't have true unique stories anymore. I understand why people, especially new writers, kind of want to write something more unique. And some of that is down to readers. And I say that as someone who was on Goodreads recently, and something I get really tired of seeing in reviews, I'm probably going to get creamed for this. I am tired of seeing somebody read a book that has one aspect that's similar to another book, and then crap in the bed about it okay and i'm gonna give you the example there is a book and it has a like you know um one of every person in this in this uh, specific like kingdom comes together and they compete in a trial okay 
And there were a few of the reviews where it's like, oh my God, it's another Hunger Games. It's like, why does everybody have to rip off Hunger Games? And I just want to say to these people, Hunger Games was not the first person, the, the first book or the first media to put a lot of teenagers together to fight to the death. If you haven't seen Battle Royale, go watch it. It's friggin' great. Bit brutal, but it's friggin' great. And I don't even think Battle Royale was the first thing to do kids put together by adults to fight to the death. And the book they were referencing didn't even fight to the death. You could pull out, you could be excluded. You didn't have to die. So it wasn't even like, oh my gosh, a lot of teenagers were, were thrown together. They weren't all teenagers. And it annoyed me because it was as if you couldn't have that one thing. It's like, it's literally like turning around going, oh my God, Battlestar Galactica, Ugh, just copying Star Wars because they've both got starships. Are you kidding me? You've got to be careful because there are these people out there. And I'm sorry if one of you is out there and you're listening to this, but could you just stop? connecting one aspect and going like oh my god it's you know this this person is 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 a wizard so oh my god you can't have another wizard character seriously it just it just boggles my mind i still see it with where people get annoyed if someone writes a kid going to a wizard or witch school and they go it's harry potter um have you ever heard of the wicked witch <laughs> is it wicked witch is it wicked witch you mean from wizard of oz no no wait a minute i need to stop um the worst oh, witch i've never heard of I'm that i'm sure it's yeah the worst witch these were like it, when i was young and i'm an old person now i am 42 <laughs> the worst witch was out and it was yeah, witches going to a school it's not unique it's how the author tells the stories how they create characters it's how they do the world building it's not oh my god there's a spaceship in it oh my god there's a vampire oh my god there's a wizard oh my god there's a trial where people die or people fight you know it, it's you can you can have this and I, I actually see it a lot in movie reviews as well and you get some people complaining about stuff and it's like have you seen all these action movies it's almost seriously just pull up every jason statham movie oh my gosh let me guess he is an ex ex-CIA or SEAL or SAS person or maybe he's a Green Beret for special forces but he's living a normal life and so somebody kidnapped his kid his dog his wife his brother you know and he has to come out of, it's literally it's the same story all the time but people enjoy it so just Sorry, I'm really on my soapbox. I it, love it when you rant <laughs> about movies because you like 95% of the movies you talk about, I've never seen. And it is just hilarious listening to you go on and on and rant about how good a movie is or how bad it is. And it's just, I enjoy it very much. But I want to like add to this that I, Ari is right. You can't have it both ways. Because it's very easy for you as a writer to promote your book and say, oh, it's very similar to this type of story or this like popular novel by this popular author. And many readers will eat that up, but then you will have those readers that are like, oh, it's another one of this type of story. You can't have it both ways. You're not going to be able to please everybody. And I think it... The type of reviewers that nitpick that one little thing, those aren't, that's not your audience. That's not the audience that you're 
you're um, aiming for, I guess is the word, might be the right word. I don't know. Because I promise you that writers do not sit down and read a book or watch a movie and they're like, wow, that was amazing. How can I make this work for me? That's not that's not what we do. We we go to bed at night, we we we're in the shower and these random ideas just come to us and then we write them down. And yes, there are going to be similarities to other story types from books and movies and the like because there are no true unique story ideas anymore. As Ari explained, it's the way that the writer builds the world and tells the story through the narrative and how they develop their characters and so on and so forth. So there are many unique stories out there. Pretty much every book out there is a unique book, but it's not necessarily a unique story. No, exactly. That's it 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 just it just rattles my cage that there's these readers out there that do that. And and I'm sorry if you're one of them and maybe you just had a bad day. But the idea of taking a book that was not it wasn't written as a dystopian it wasn't all about just teenagers there were other adult characters in it it wasn't a fight to the death it had a different like when whoever won it was different it was just there was enough different pieces and there should be you know don't wrong if, if someone had written a dystopian fantasy and there were categories of people and they were one of them was chosen and each was put into a a fighting ring it might be enough, but it wasn't. And it's just this kind of, I don't know, surface level thinking, <laughs> just in a shitty mood today, that it, that comes across. And I think it affects writers, especially new writers, where they feel like, oh my God, do I have to be better? Do I have to think something bigger and more intense? No, you don't. You know, you don't. Just as Rachel said, they're not your target audience. Just let them have a whinge in the reviews com uh, section and, and let it go. I mean, if it literally takes you to glance at one character and go, oh, my God, or one aspect. I mean, I write vampires in one of my series. Does that make me copying Anne Rice? No. Am I copying? What the hell is she called? <laughs> the Twilight author. Can't remember her name. Stephanie somebody. Is it Stephanie? Somebody. I don't know. Um, I'm like, no, my stuff is different. And other people's vampire stuff is different. And it's, you know, there are so many. Am I the same as, as Bram Stoker with his Dracula? No, there are differences. And the fact that there are a million vampire stories out there and we're still craving them, some of us who like vampire stories. You know, it just... Okay, I'm going to step off my soapbox because I've been on there a bit too long. So we're going to move on. <laughs> Let's talk about some other retellings to give you more ideas. We're going to go, um, Rachel seems to be dying right now. Are you okay, my dear? It just took a wild turn and it just, I know. it's cracking I, me I, up. I'm in a grouchy mood and I'm bringing it to the podcast. I love it. I'm here for it. <laughs> Proceed. As well as your fairy tale retellings, which are extremely popular, another really popular one is um, Shakespeare retellings. And you may know this, I'm using movies because... Um, because I like to use movies. I mean, I watch a lot of movies. So here are some Shakespeare retellings that people might not be realising. Uh, Ten Things I Hate About You is obviously Taming of the Shrew. Forbidden Planet, which I learned, was The Tempest. Now, I've never read The Tempest, so I wouldn't have realised, but it is got it has got enough pieces that sort of like overlay that it would be considered a, sm a, a loose retelling of The Tempest. I love Forbidden Planet. You have to watch it if you haven't seen it. Uh, the Lion King has like echoes of Hamlet. Uh, Men of Respect, 
Macbeth and Warm Bodies, which I love. <laughs> Zombie movie, if you haven't seen it, um, has some Romeo and Juliet themes. <laughs> Freaking love Warm Bodies. Um, so yeah, you can take these classics and these scripts and um, these classics and these uh, screenplays and you know mythologies and fairy tales, and you can give them new life in different ways. And there is a market for it. People love retellings. So yeah, you don't have to worry about stressing out and getting like, oh my gosh, we have to go and get brand new, like unbelievably unique ideas. Just tell it differently. I just have to say that out of the things that you just listed, I've only seen The Lion King and I've only read Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> the example- Rachel, you're killing me. What is going on? Have you not the... seen 10 Things I Hate About You? Seriously. No, no, I haven't. The, uh, and the only reason I read Romeo and Juliet was because I read it in school. So my example for Romeo and Juliet is to go watch Psych season five, episode one. Because that, that title of the episode is called Romeo and Juliet and Juliet. And it's kind of based off of Romeo and Juliet. Except no one dies. But when it comes to these stories, whether they're a movie or a book, or it came quote unquote first or not... There are six different story types. Is there more than six? Or are we just there, thinking of six? There might be. These There's... are the ones that I could... I, I, I knew a few of these, and then I did some looking up, and I found some others. There might be more, but these are typical story types. Obviously, if anyone has any knowledge of extras, put them in. Put them in the yeah, comments. Yeah, because there's got to be more than six. If there's If there's only the six... That's pretty impressive that we have like literally billions of books out there. But, you know, for the sake of this episode that has probably gone on way too long, we're just going to talk about like the six story types real quick. First, there's rags to riches, which everybody knows and may or may not love. And it's basically just moving slowly from a bad situation to a good situation. But then there's also riches to rags, and that's the reserve falling from a good situation to a bad one. And that's like, no, the only example I could think of is The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. No, it wasn't even Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. Dylan and Cole Sprouse were in the movie, but I can't remember what movie it was. Yeah, forget it. All right, never mind. Don't listen to me, guys. I could I could give one. Um, Ophelia. Is it Ophelia? Wait. Othello, sorry. Othello, if Shakespeare starts out good, ends bad. Very bad. <laughs> I'll take your word for it because I don't know that one either. And then we have the Icarus story type, which is moving to something good, then falling or failing. Do you have any examples for that one? Icarus. The story of Icarus. Oh, duh. <laughs> <laughs> they get out of the, of, of the labyrinth, they go into the sky, and he goes too close and falls. So that's probably the best one to give Oh it my to. gosh. Why am I reading this? Who gave me this job? What the? How do you pronounce them? Oedipus. 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 That's an O. Oedipus. Is it in like the Oedipus complex? No. Then you don't want to look into what Oedipus means and who Oedipus was. Well, it's the fall, rise, and then falling once more, people. That's what it is. And then we have Cinderella, which we did already talk about. That's the rise, fall, rise, because Cinderella is down on her luck. And wait, when did she rise? Like, how was she? Because she was already down on her luck. I think of the original one, it's like her mother dies and then her and her father are happy. 
and then oh and then you know and then of, they go down yeah because then and her then dad dies and she's yeah because i think when she, she when the stepmother and the kids come it's quite good and then he dies and she's alone with them so i think it's a little bit it's i think it's more the i'd say the grim one but the grim one's probably really bad but yeah the grim what yeah i read the i did read the original grim stories and um yeah those are yeah grim you know no pun no, intended it, but they're it? grim it's the fact that they, someone took the grim fairy tales and went, yes. you know what? We can Disneyfy them and make them great. Like, <laughs> exactly. There you go. Happily Perfect Yay. So different. Oh my gosh. Um, I got to wrap this up. Number six, Man in a Hole. And that's the fall moving to the rise. That's all I have to say about that because I'm just <laughs> reading Ari's notes. <laughs> yeah, I went a bit crazy and put loads of notes in. So oh, apologies. I'm so sorry. Apologies. Everybody who's listening to this, I'm so sorry. No, but that's it. It, it. It's just to give you an idea of how the arc falls, you know? So it's, you know, moving from bad to good, good to bad, whether it's slow, whether it's fast, if it's a fall, if it's a rise, it, that's all it is. It's like most books can be put into that. And there have been studies where some someone smart and some scholarly person has, has studied thousands of books and put them into these categories. That's why we have these six. Again, there might be more, oh. but that's the, the main set. And we can go and look on to story archetypes, which is probably one you've all heard, where you've got the rag to riches, the tragedy, the comedy, voyage and return, rebirth, overcoming the monster and the quest. Again, most books can be put into these categories. The same with character archetypes, where you've got the hero, heroine, the sidekick, the shadow, the villain or antagonist, or both, the I call it the lover. It used to be the damsel, but I'm so sick of female characters just being the love interest prize for some douchebag. So we're just going to say the lover or the love interest. And that way it can be for anybody. Uh, the mentor, the mother slash father figure, the everyman, the scapegoat, and there's probably a lot more. When you start hearing these lists and seeing, oh yeah, the quest, the comedy, the voyage, you can instantly pick books you've read and go, oh yeah, I remember that book that was a voyage and return, you know? I remember that um, that book that had the mentor and the villain and the hero. I mean, but yeah, that's um, Star Wars. <laughs> 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 um, you know, you could put that and, and match that against. And when you realize there are these very specific archetypes and these very specific stories that most books fall into, you start to realize there aren't really unique ideas. And it's okay. And I'm sure there's going to be someone going, oh, I know of other characters and I've written a character that's so different. Yes, but the majority of them will fit into one of these categories and that's okay. It's not a bad thing to slot your characters into these boxes. It's what readers kind of want. We are looking for books that have similarity to other books we like. That's a marketing trait. It shouldn't be sniffed at. It shouldn't be, oh my God, I have to write the most unique book ever. You could. There are some batshit crazy unique books out there and they can do really well. They can also be those sorts of books that everyone knows about, but nobody reads yeah. because they're like intense, um, which is a type of fame, I guess, if you if that's what you want. But it might not be what you base a, a book career on. I'm, I'm guessing I might be wrong. I don't know. But yeah, so this is a messy episode and I'm probably going to keep a lot of this in, as, uh, as Rachel said. 
just to show how bad our episodes could be. <laughs> I think I really think you should because I mean this this is us everybody. You, yeah. What you hear is what you get. I mean, real and raw. <laughs> I should. <laughs> I I should have read the story and the character archetypes because I actually know. <laughs> Feel free to throw some notes in. Get some notes in there. No, I don't. No. Well, bonus episode. Bonus episode. Oh, no. I was just saying, like, I should have read that specific part of the notes. You should have read the story types. You wanted the story types. No, I <laughs> didn't want the story types. You were like, I've been talking for a long time. You should say oh, something. Yeah. So I said, I okay. Um, <laughs> bottom line, which I think I already <laughs> mentioned in this episode, but I can't remember. So I apologize if I'm repeating myself. It's been like eight years. These <laughs> these archetypes and the story types and stuff, it's all the foundation of a book. So like if you had something that was truly unique, you're going to give all your readers a culture shock. Which may or may not be a bad thing because you could very well invent something new. But considering that books date way, 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 way back in time, even if you do think of something that's like sounds really unique today, it probably isn't. Sorry to burst your bubble, but yeah, there, there's really no unique story ideas. It's just the way you weave them together. It always reminds me of like when Least by Somebody and all the younger generation are like, oh my God, have you heard this song? It's like, you know, it's not the, it's a cover, right? You get that, right? And you don't because again, I've watched movies, I've listened to music and I didn't realize they were covers of some, you're thinking, oh my God, this is the best song ever. And it's been redone three times and the original was from like the 1940s, you know? Uh, yeah, actually, why didn't we think of music earlier? Music is such a prime example of how like there are really no unique ideas anymore. It's not just book. It's not just story ideas. It's like it. It is. It's also music too. I mean, obviously, yeah. People come out with unique songs like all the time because they write them. But, but even still, there there have been songs. I can't think of any examples at the top of my head right now. But there have been songs where I'll listen to the beginning of the music and I'm like, oh, I know what song this is because it sounds exactly like this song. And then it's something completely different. And I'm like, oh, they have like very similar intros. Yeah. Like the riffs are the same. And the beats yes. are the same. And you're like, wow, I don't know how you got away with that. But okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's fine. That's fine. We're, we're finally going to turn it over to you guys. Do you have a favorite type of story? Did you even know there were types of story? Let us know your answer in the comments. Let us have a chat about it. Remember, we do release um, episodes every Wednesday. Next week, we ask, how do you launch a successful series? And we have a special guest joining us. To ensure you don't miss it, hit the subscribe button on the way out. As always, thanks for listening to the Mayor Writer Podcast, and we'll see you next week. This podcast is brought to you by Reams of Paper for Killing Trees. The music titled is Spider-Man.